Continuing in chapter 4, we have been talking about the seven areas of life in which you have to have bitachin. So we spoke about area 3, which is your own health, and area 2, which is making a living, and area 3, which is interpersonal relationships. Then we started speaking about the spiritual stuff, which is category number four was the mitzvahs you do that only affect you. And then category five was the mitzvahs that you do that affect others. And now we started talking about character, category six, which was totally spiritual, the reward in Elam Haba, in the world to come. And Rabbeinu Bechayim started discussing um, reasons why this isn't something spoken about explicitly in Tanakh. And we mentioned last night that obviously in the Svarim of Musar and Chassidus and Kabbalah, that you do find this stuff. And in fact, that was one of the answers we said last night, that it was, um, it was an oral tradition, um, which later on became recorded. And we have it, now we have it today because it was recorded, it was written down. But um, that was our, our main question. Why is the Elam Haba stuff not so uh, clear in Tanakh. And we went through a number of answers. Now, actually, I want to share with you a chart. I got this chart from Chayeno. And I also want to mention, again, I've mentioned before, that the text that we use, the Hebrew with the vowels and the nice, crisp layout, that is from Chayeno, which is a wonderful publication. And they are coming out with a book, Emirat Hashem, soon. On Shara B'Tochen. So Chayeno shared this chart with me, and I'm going to share it with you. So, spoiler alert, there's going to be seven reasons why the reward of the world to come is not mentioned in the Torah. Um, and how many of them have we covered already? Okay, material man cannot fathom the spiritual. Yeah, we spoke about that. I remember speaking about that. Uh, two, it was better to transmit it via oral tradition. Yeah, we spoke about that. And number three, the generation that received the Torah were spiritually immature. And uh, I think that's as far as we got. I think we did three out of the seven. So now we're moving on with more reasons, more reasons why Torah doesn't speak explicitly, meaning the written Torah, doesn't speak explicitly about the reward in the world to come. Okay. Umayham and among the reasons Shigmul Hoelam Haba in Vad, a person does not earn it just through his deeds alone. There are two factors that are dependent upon God. After the person has done what he's got to do, there are two more factors that are out of the person's hands. What are these factors? the first The first is that he enlightened others in the service of the Creator. Maybe he exalted and teach them proper conduct. Commission calls for like it says, and those who turn the many to righteousness will shine like stars forever and ever. And it says, Those who rebuke, meaning help others go on the straight path, 
will have delight and good blessing will come upon them. When the upright individual has acquired the merit of promoting righteousness in others, together with the merit of his own righteousness and the righteousness of his faith and the merit of his faith and patient submission, then he will be considered by the Creator worthy of receiving the reward of the world to come. The reward in the world to come is a funny thing because it's not just dependent on you doing the right thing. It's dependent on, on, on your influencing others to do the right thing, which is not entirely in your hands. Um, somebody told me a great fart. Who told me? Avi Fishoff told me recently. Maybe he said it publicly too, but he told me that, um, I mean, this is a famous thing, that Noyach didn't save his generation. He only brought his family on the Teva. The whole generation of sinners got wiped out. And he had to come back in a Gilgul as a Tikkun. So who did he come back as? Meisha. Came back as Meisha. And when did Meisha make a Tikkun for Noyach? When Meisha had the offer, the same offer as Noyach, essentially. Save yourself. Let the whole world go to hell and save yourself. When was that? After the Chetta Egel, Meisha had an offer that the, the Ebeshtah would restart the Jewish nation just from him. And uh, Meisha said, no, save the sinners. And if not, erase me from your book. So, Levi Yitzchak Bar the Kedushas Levi, says, Mecheni, erase me, right? The word Mecheni, erase me. Oisius, mei nayach, the waters of Noah. So when did Noyach fix the mei Noyach, the waters, the flood waters that he caused in the world by not bringing people to Teshuvah? When he came back as Meisha and he stood up for the sinners. But, uh, you know, that, that means that even being a perfect Jew is not really being a perfect Jew, because a perfect Jew means you were perfect. You were perfect. You were perfect. He was perfect, right? It's not enough. Even to do everything you're supposed to do, you checked off all the boxes, and it's still not enough, because you didn't influence anybody, right? So that's the first factor, that you don't earn Elam Haba just through doing everything right, because you could do everything right, it's still not enough, because you've got to do everything right, plus affect others. Vahasheni, and the second thing, Chesed Malakim Nadava There's a factor here of Hashem's grace and generosity, gratuitous kindness, unearned kindness. Kamesha Kosovalika says, Chesed ki Grace, O God, is yours, and that you reward a man according to his work. And the reason for this. That if a person's deeds were as numerous as the grains of sand on the beach, still 
It would still not amount to even one of the favors that Hashem does for us in this world. So all of the deeds we could do for Him wouldn't even amount to one deed that He does for us. How much more so if the person didn't only do favors for Hashem, but he did some um, opposite of favors. If Hashem is going to be exacting and hold him strictly to account in demanding gratitude for all the favors Hashem did for him, His good deeds would be canceled out by the smallest of the Creator's favors toward him. So any reward bestowed upon him by the Creator, therefore, is clearly not deserved on account of his deeds, because technically, if you go by the actual math here, the, the fact that he does reward us in the world to come, that's because of his grace toward us. Again, with the context here is we're, not, we're explaining why Torah doesn't really focus on the reward in the world to come. So we said one reason is because you could do everything right, but that's still not enough. You've got to help others. That's like you know Judaism 2.0, but 2.0 is part of the regular Judaism, and that's a whole discussion for another time. Um, and then the second thing is, at the end, whatever you do really is not what you're being rewarded for, because if you were really going to add it all up, you know, what he owes us, what we owe him, he doesn't owe us anything, and, and we're, you know, way, way behind. We're indebted to him, okay? So the fact that he, in the end, lavishes us with, with reward is only because of his absolute kindness. Okay, now, of course, the next question is, what about punishment, all right? Punishment, however, in this world and the next, both types of punishment, is justly deserved. A debt that man must pay. Only that Hashem's grace overcomes it in both worlds. To you, Hashem, is kindness. He, being compassionate, pardons iniquity and does not destroy. How many reasons is this? I think now we're on the fifth reason out of seven. Another reason that Scripture doesn't elaborate on reward and punishment in the world to come is because the practice of goodness is of two kinds. Mimeno nistor ein mashkif alav zula sabeda kecheves halavaves vahadeimalahem. There are those kinds of kindness that are concealed, and none but the Creator observes them, like the duties of the heart. Umimena nira al hoivarem, and then there are those that are seen. Einena nistor minabroim and not concealed from the created beings. Vehema mitzvos aniras al hoivarem. Those are the mitzvos that are obvious because you do them with your with your limbs. So for the fulfillment of the observable duties, the stuff you do with your limbs, the Creator bestows an observable reward in this world. And the fulfillment of the inner hidden duties 
He gives a hidden reward. What does that mean? Reward in the world to come. Therefore, David referred to it in language that gives expression to this. As he said, How great is your good that you have hidden away for those who fear you. And so too with punishment, the revealed and the hidden. You have those two categories. Okay, so reward and punishment, really, there are two kinds. And they correspond to two kinds of actions. Obvious and apparent actions, meaning stuff that everyone can see you doing. And then hidden things that nobody sees, nobody knows. Um, and, I, and I don't think it means because nobody's around. It's like if a tree falls in the forest and no, is, nobody hears it, does it make a sound? You know, so if you put on tefillin, there's no one to see you put it on tefillin, is that considered concealed? No, 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 that's revealed because it's a thing that somebody could see. But think about something that is totally um, emotional or mental. Talk about your, your level of, of, of dvekas, you know, your, your devotion to Hashem, your kavana, your focus, your uh, purity of, of thought, your love of Hashem, awe of Hashem, faith in Hashem. You know, that's stuff that nobody can see. Not because nobody's around, but even, you know, you're standing in a crowded room, nobody can see that stuff. Thank God, right? <laughs> okay. <sighs> People scrutinize enough as it is, right? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if people could start seeing, like, your Ava Vayira? So it's not enough, you're going to get judged on an Esrug. Now you're going to get judged on your Ava Vayira. Okay. The proof for this. Ki hokel yisale orif la'amei al hua veida hanidis al hua yivarim gmul nira maher ba'ilam hazeh. Hashem's promise to his people that for visible service, stuff you can see, there will be visible immediate reward in this world. That's what's explicitly mentioned in Parshas B'chukkesai. Parshas B'chukkesai is talking about tangible consequences in the here and the now. It's not talking about spiritual consequences in the afterworld, in the afterlife. Conversely, also, he, can, he guaranteed them for sins that are revealed, that you can see, you know, actions, uh, that there would be the same thing. I, won't, I don't want to even spell it out, but... Because the masses, you know, they say, the masses, there's a rhyme for that in English also, they only relate to tangible stuff. That's why science is such a popular philosophy, even though it's not a philosophy. It's a good way for finding out about how physical stuff behaves, but it's not a very good philosophy for life. But people use it as a philosophy for life because it's very relatable, because it's tangible. Now, it doesn't answer any of the deep questions about life, but who, who cares about deep questions about life? Most people don't. Not the hidden stuff. And that's what it says. The hidden things are for Hashem, our God. And the revealed things are for us and for our children for all times. 
Don't worry about hidden things. Worry about revealed things. And it says, It says, If the people of the community in any way hide their eyes from that person, then I will set my face against that person and his family. That's, that's talking about stuff that's revealed and known. But what about service of God and the opposite of service, transgression, that are hidden in the heart? It's logical. It's just that these things be paid to a person in this world and in the next, because it's hidden stuff, so it gets paid in the hidden world. Therefore, Scripture left out mentioning them. Uh, let's just rattle off the seven. I think we have two more, okay? Let's just finish it off. Umehem, another reason. That in the reward and punishment mentioned in Scripture, the prophet speaks with the people of this world about reward and punishment in this world. And since Yeshua ben Yitzadak was in the world of angels, like we mentioned previously, he walked among the Eimdim, which are the angels. Since he was in the world of angels, Amalai, Hashem said to him, I give you special permission to walk among the standing ones, meaning the angels, this is the way of offering inducement or, endur- or deterrence. It must suit the time and place. Understand this. Meaning, everything has a time and a place. This is not normally the time and the place. Umeham and another reason. The purpose of the world to come is only none other than to cling to God and to draw near to His supernal light. Your righteousness will go before you. The glory of God will gather you up. And it says, The enlightened ones will shine like the brilliance of the sky. And it says, To be illuminated with the light of life. And this can be attained only by one who finds favor before God. Thus, the favor of God, or finding favor before God, is the source, is the essence of reward. His anger is but for a moment, life is in his favor, in his, you know, when he has goodwill toward you. And in Parshish which we mentioned before, which speaks very much about overt, obvious rewards in this world and punishments also, uh, in Parshish he made allusions that teach of this favor, allusions, he hinted to this favor before him. And that's what it says, I will not reject you. It says, And I will look upon you with favor. I will turn to you in favor. 
I will be to you a God, your God, and you will be to me my people. Okay, so let's look at it one more time. Let's wrap it up for tonight, okay? Why the reward of the world to come is not explicitly mentioned in Theta. We said it was hinted to. One, material man cannot fathom the spiritual. So why, why talk about it? Meaning nobody can. Nobody can really relate to it. Two, it was better to transmit it via oral tradition. And we have that oral tradition now today in Exodus and Moser, Kabbalah. Three, the generation that received the Torah were spiritually mature. Somebody wrote in the chat, they were? Compared to whom? If you don't like that answer, I got six more for you. What, what, what do you want me to tell you? Four, man on his own cannot earn it. It's a reward from God, right? You can't even get it on your own. Anyways, we spoke about that because everything you do is still not enough until you give it away. Number five, it's a reward for the inner hidden intentions of man. Right? The, the reward in this world is for the stuff that's visible, that, that you can do, that's obvious to others. But the, the hidden stuff, that's all that generates a hidden reward, and therefore it doesn't talk about it. Six, the prophet speaks in words that are acceptable to and understood in the human mind. Uh, seven, the ultimate reward is to find favor in God's eyes. The details are not important. Fine. So those are the seven reasons why reward in the world to come is not explicitly dealt with in Taita. Anything else? I'm looking in my chat here. Nothing? You don't understand at all? Like none of it? You're lost? What are you lost? Okay, first of all, do you know what Safer this is? What is that? No, you don't even know? You don't know what Safer it is? It's Chavis Lavavis. Oh, it's your first time here? Okay, that's your excuse. Fine. It's Chavis Lavavis. Second, what part of Chavis Lavavis is it? Shara Betochen. Okay. What chapter is it? Chapter 4, okay? What part of chapter 4 are we on? We're talking about spiritual stuff. The reward in the world to come that's totally spiritual. As an aside, as a side point, Rabbeinu Bechaya asks a question. And he says, if this stuff is important, how come you don't find it in Tanakh? By the way, you know that that's like a thing that people ask a lot, right? Do you know that? That's like a thing that smarty pants I think that's the technical term for them. Smarty pants Is that the plural of smarty pants? Smarty pants Vramaba. You know what a smarty pants is? What do you, how, what's Lashon Rabim of smarty pants? Smarty pants Do I even have any power left on that? Oh, is it down to zero? Don't, 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 don't touch it. What is it? There's low battery. Mode. It's still low. How many percent? 20 or 10? But it's, uh, it's still Pants is already plural? No, and there's definitely a word in Elam Haba? Yeah, I know there is. He doesn't say there isn't. He says there is. I have a lot of editing to do on this one? Yeah, I know. I already accepted <laughs> that. I accepted that fate. You guys want to hear it? <laughs> no. No. George, no. Ah. 
So it's a thing that smarty pants ask a lot about why they say, oh, the Elam Habo is not in Tanakh. Got added later. That's what the smarty pants say. What about the last reason? Hold on a second. Uh, the last reason. The ultimate reward is find favor in God's eyes. The details are not important. Yeah, that's that was the last reason. Last reason. Why? Last reason. Yeah. You forget, but someone wrote me in the chat. What about the last reason? I forget what it was, but I disagree. <laughs> oh, why is it not important? <sighs> okay, so this is my little editorial now. Obviously, it is important because in the end, after Tanakh, not in Tanakh, but afterwards, this stuff is recorded. And there's a great deal of information about it. So obviously is important. The real question is, why, if it's so important, isn't it in Tehidah Sav? And I have a smarty pants theory of my own that this whole discussion is an anachronism. Okay, you know what I mean by an anachronism? Like chainmail. Chainmail used to be a very popular item. It was very, helped, you know, Chainmail. You know what chainmail is, right? Armor. But it's an anachronism, okay? It's outdated. It's obsolete. We have other ways of protecting ourselves today. I think the whole discussion is, is an anachronism. I'm suspecting that in the times of Rabbeinu Bechaye, um, that there were a lot of philosophically inclined people who had a real problem with this and who weren't sure if Elam Habo was even an authentically Jewish concept. Now you can say, what are you talking about? There's a whole headache in Gemara, in Sanhedrin, that's all about Kol Yisrael Yishel Mechelech Le'elam Habo, all about Elam Habo. Even in Gemara, I'm saying, you don't even have to look in Chesidus, Musa, or Kabbalah. In Gemara, it talks about it. But I believe that, historically speaking, there were people who really questioned whether it was, a, for sure, if it was a core Jewish idea, and 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 even if it was authentically Jewish at all. And I think that's why Rabbeinu B'chaya is give, giving such a lengthy treatise on the topic. Now for us, for us, I don't really think it speaks to us. Because either you believe this stuff or you don't. If you're learning Chavis Alavavis, you already believe this. And you already believe in, in, in spiritual reality. So it's not like you need somebody trying to verentverzach this question that nobody here is nobody's asking. Okay, that, that's what I think. I think the whole discussion is actually a polemic, uh, philosophical argument to Bavoran, a particular polemic argument um, that's anachronistic. Does that make sense? What I'm saying is that helpful? Okay. All right.